So today we are actually finishing up the Ten Commandments. Big shout out to Todd last week who took you through number five and six. This fall we've been going through a series at 10 a.m. of course called Different Life, meaning what's the different life that Jesus is calling people to that's very different from the culture and the world and using the Ten Commandments as a guide, if you will, or a template to categorize aspects of what that different life looks like. And these last couple of weeks we've been using... Luther's large catechism um, and how he writes about these and tries to take us into them more as topical fields rather than simple commands to understand what's going on. And so I wanted to wrap it up today. And the, the document that came around to you is the Ninth and Ten Commandments. And the Ninth and Tenth get combined oftentimes by people who number them as separate commandments because they're all about coveting. Here it is. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's manservant or his maidservant. You shall not covet your neighbor's ox or your ass or anything that is your neighbor's. It's all about coveting. So they package together really well, even though a lot of Christian traditions, including the Lutheran tradition, separates it as two different commands. This is going to take you through the ninth and 10th commandment. It's about a page, two pages. And then there's an appendix to it that I also thought helpful. And it starts on page 62, and it's the conclusion to the Ten Commandments. Now, that's not a biblical conclusion, but what Luther is doing is he's giving about two pages of just reflection on the Ten Commandments as a whole. Where have we come from? Where have we been? How do we summarize this whole thing? So as we've been doing, take about 10 minutes or so, read this through, and then we'll come up for error and uh, see what we can learn from them, okay? Go ahead and finish up as you need to, but interesting read, huh? Let's take this in part. Let's focus first on the ninth and 10th commandment without getting into the summary yet. And when we feel like we've landed the plane on that, we'll move into the next piece just to kind of keep this methodical. I'd just like to point a couple things out off the bat looking at the ninth and 10th commandment specifically. And one is this, it's something that Luther says and it's a really good reminder, it's the top of the second paragraph. These commandments are exclusively given to Jews. Because what we hear from Paul, especially in Romans 6 and Galatians 5 and other places, is we're no longer under the law. So all of these Old Testament laws that God handed down at Sinai don't have a direct bearing on us. This is why, for example, we don't honor the Sabbath day in the way that the Ten Commandments stipulates that we honor the Sabbath day. And if you're going to push back on me on that, go, well, do you work on Saturday? And if you do, you're not doing the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is the seventh day, right? It's not Sunday. So he makes that point again that we're not under these. These are, these are exclusively given to the Jews, he says. Nevertheless, they imply or they apply in part to us because the idea is that just because we're not under the Old Testament law directly, we should still see it as a revelation given by God that in somewhere and somehow we see the essence of something good that's binding for all space and time or desired on God's people or all people, I should say, for all space and time, if you will. And the trick with the Old Testament law simply becomes rooting that out. Sometimes it's very easy. You shall not murder. Well, okay, I think we can safely assume that's something that just in its clear sense God doesn't want us to do. But when the Old Testament law comes along and says, don't wear clothing woven of two different kinds of material, well, okay, maybe it's okay if I'm wearing like a 10% polyester blend in this shirt that I have on right now, but what's going on beneath the surface in this law that's true to the spirit of God and his people 
beyond that. Does that make sense? Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's not formulaic. That's the, that's the difficulty, is that you have to start kind of nuancing and sifting each command against the whole counsel of God to try to draw that out. Now, there are given principles where Paul says you're not under the law, but you're under the spirit and the fruit of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he follows it up saying against such things, there are no law because if you do those nine things, you don't need the law to tell you anything else, right? But it's still kind of a 20,000 foot elevation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that becomes the trick and why so many Christian books are written. Um, so thank you. Um, Paul, for keeping the publishing industry alive and well for 2,000 years. And uh, the applicable point he gets here, I would summarize like this. This is the first command that goes from an external action to an interior disposition of the heart, especially in the back half of the commands. You know, honor your father and mother. Well, okay, I guess that, that, that is a certain internal sense, but it's something that I do. Not stealing, not committing adultery, not murdering. These are things I do or don't do. But now he's talking about what's going on in here. It's not just what I do and don't do that matters. It's the very disposition of my heart. And here he says, you shall not covet, right? Coveting is an attitude. Coveting is a mindset. Coveting is an inclination or disposition, if you will. And the way that I like to frame this and the way that it's been taught to me, maybe you've heard this as well, is what's called the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Now here's where this gets confused. A lot of people will hear about the letter of the law and the spirit of the law and take it this way. The letter of the law doesn't matter so much as long as I get its general intent. But for Jesus, it's actually different. No, the letter of the law matters a whole lot, but now I'm going to intensify it beyond simply your actions to also your dispositions. And so Luther will say on page 60, bottom paragraph, thus this last commandment is not addressed to those whom the world considers scoundrels. Because if you're a murderer, you're considered a scoundrel. Isn't that great? Don't we need to use the word scoundrel more in our just like daily vocabulary? If you steal on someone, you're a scoundrel. If, you, if you're having an affair with someone, the world considers that, that, that scoundrelly, right? But people who are very externally righteous, he's like, eh, nine and 10 comes around and stings you. Because, you know, all of us, when it comes to the dispositions of our heart, right, are not inclined the right way. And this is the one that God pins against the wall. Those who think that they are righteous, when in Jesus' eyes they actually are not. That's the spirit behind this and what's going on. And that's what the law is meant to do in part. The law truly is meant to give a rule by which a people don't turn on themselves and terrorize themselves. And it truly gives a guideline for believers to discern what the way of God is like. But it's also meant to kind of like hit you in the face. Um, the old reformers will call it a mirror that when I look into the law, I see a clearer reflection of myself and compared against the law, I realize how I don't measure up. 
I like the two by four to the face approach, that the law is God coming up and going, bam, wake up, because you think you're good and you're probably not as good as you think you are. Make sense? So I'll kind of leave it there and I'd love to hear your reflections after reading nine and 10 um, and things that struck you. Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I follow you, Mike. And was everyone able to hear Mike? Okay, I don't need to repeat. I mean, I, I agree with you in part. Um, I, I think you're, you're picking up on something really good that, yes, there is a spiritual formation process that God does through his law that often is seen and witnessed over time, oftentimes with many people being small course corrections. Here's my however, my yes but, though. There are people who are stealing from people. And that needs a pretty strict course correction. There are people who are having you know, affairs, if you will. And that, that would call for what they would see as a very harsh or immediate course correction. So I, I think there's a both and there. I'm following, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to, it's not always dramatic. It's not always, you know, everything changes all at once. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. So, like, you know, maybe this is a good way of, yeah, I'm tracking what you're saying. Jesus says this, doesn't he? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What Jesus doesn't say is, come to me, you who are sinners, and start getting your life together and get it right, and I will give you rest. There's an invitation to sinners coming with all their sin and brokenness to him, even if they are thieves, even if they are murderers, even if they are adulterers, even if they are coveters. And then through that, he's calling you to the different way of life, which is often marked by a lot of setbacks and failures and falls and re-repentancing. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, we'll go Zach, and then we'll come over here to you, Gary, all right? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, this is really interesting overall. Um, one of the things that I kind of picked up on was on page 61, um, the last sentence in the, the second paragraph, he says, you know, no one wants to do 
these things to him. And I mean, he's kind of connecting with Jesus, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so I think like, I don't know, I just, I just found that interesting that, you know, all of this from society's eyes, these things can be okay. We can, you know, you can kind of work things in your favor. But when it comes down to it, think about, would you want someone to work against you that way? Yeah. No, and therefore. Yeah, fantastic, right? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Gary. Yeah. Well, nobody keeps the commandments perfectly. So Jesus pointed that out to him, and yet he went away sad. So I, I think the, uh, the, getting back to what Mike said, that sanctification goes on, right? We're not just immediately perfect. We're never perfect until we come to heaven. So, so it, it's kind of a upward slope for it's so paradoxical. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Gary. Thank you for that. It's so paradoxical, and I'll just share my own spiritual life and experience in that, you know, knowing that Jesus accepts me as I am, you know, that I can come to him with sin, failure, guilt, and shame, and I don't have to kind of get myself together, but then constantly knowing that Jesus does, if I can use this metaphor, draw lines in the sand. And he says, I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to pray about it. I don't want you to consider it. I want you to do it. And the times that I haven't have been the times that I can look back going, you know, it's not like I lost my salvation or something like that, but I think God just kind of puts you on the shelf a little bit. And goes, okay, well, in your time. But the times that I have done that have been the times of what I would, in retrospect, look at is quantum leap spiritual growth. Um, and so he meets us where we're at, but then he says, come follow me. And the path that he says, come follow me on is not often the path that we're traveling on. If that makes sense. And I'm again, talking in a lot of cliche here, but go ahead, John. Um, my thoughts about this. I mean, I, I agree with you or what you said initially about this is something that's going on in our hearts where we're covered. And yet he takes really off from that and says that. And then he tells, well, now we can take people to the court and we can yeah. do all kinds of things that are really an expression of that out in life. And that yeah. really seems to rail against an awful lot. And, and it, it, it strikes me that he did that because I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that at all. Mm. Uh, uh, because then it becomes into, well, I mean, that's really a form of stealing. You know, if you're going to go ahead and you know, dump your wife and steal somebody and entice somebody else's wife. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's more of a, let's get back to... You know, you're not one of these elite people. You're one of the low-class people who are just using, you know, whatever the, the law of the land, if you will, to get what you want. And, and I, I think it, it, it goes back to, you know, again, as you mentioned, on the, the heart of a person. Do I really, you know, and, and I look at this and say, well, you know, failure you know, big time on all the commandments. He says that in his, you know, his follow-up. And, and we don't live up to any of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, and it just, uh, and yet we try and climb that mountain, if you will, and keep slipping down. And, 
Yeah. Keep trying, you know, go back and try it again, whereas we need, we need an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Christian life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Jen? This, this opened my eyes, and maybe I'm 10 weeks late to this because it's commandment 9 and 10, and we've been talking about a different life now for a long time. And to be honest, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, it's not that different, or it's not that difficult. The law supports not killing. The law supports not committing adultery. And yet, in our society, and I'm personalizing in our little community, my world here in McHenry, some of these, this rascality, I love that word, that's the word that jumped out of me, some of that is like looked on upon as a positive thing, whereas mm-hmm. this is the first time in this whole series that I've looked at this, I'm like, maybe we really are different because, right, everybody knows not to kill, everybody knows not to do the, the big commandments, but this one, when you put it like this, it was it hit home that that now we to live to follow this is going against what a lot of our society admires, which makes us stand out as different. Yeah, yeah, it's the socially acceptable yeah. command. Yeah, Mike. I think this, like in the military, we have values and yeah. things to follow. This is a great Christian value that we can self-reflect and think about instead of being like the Pharisees that go out and say, hey, look at all these great things. I mm-hmm. can do this and that and the other thing, where it takes it back to internalizing it and saying, hey, these are the morals, these are the values, these are the laws of God, and how do you stand up personally against that, and how do you reflect to make those corrections so that you can get closer to God? Yeah, you got it, you got it. For time's sake, I do need to move on to the next section. All right? So he sums it up. And if I can just give some quick reflections on this off the bat. Um, He's looking back at all Ten Commandments and really, I think, getting at, so what motivates someone to do these? And he doesn't want to leave that as a given. Now, you might not remember this, but there's a pattern to his explanations. Every time Luther explains one of the Ten Commandments, he starts at the exact same way. We should fear and love God so that, and then he says what you do. So fearing and loving God are really for Luther the anchor of the motivation of the Christian life. And depending on which Christian circle that you're in, some will pick one and completely ignore the other. Some will emphasize one and de-emphasize the other. Some people have been in what they call the fundamental Baptist church, where all they do is pound you. Some have been in the um, happy feely church, where all they do is love you. Um, And yet both are biblical principles. Both are important. You should fear God. And fear of God can be a great motivator. You should fear your parents when you were a kid. That can be a great motivator, can it? I mean, how many four-year-olds are like, okay, mom, because I love you so much, I'm not going to watch TV anymore. Well, that happens sometimes, but what happens more often? I'm going to get in trouble. So you learn, right? 
There is a fear of God aspect to this that I don't think we should ignore. And yet that isn't meant to be the driving aspect. It's meant to be a love of God. God changing an inclination of the heart, a desire of the will. That, Lord, I want to please you. I know I come to you as someone who maybe doesn't fully want to please you, but help me to want to please you more and more because the more I want to please you, the more this is going to come naturally and your will is going to become my will. And this is kind of the essence of, I think, what he's getting at. But let's let Luther's language speak for itself. What struck you in this conclusion here? Uh, yeah, Jim. No, thanks for bringing that up, brother. Isn't that great? Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the laws or ways of the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you want all the desires of your heart? It's easy. Make sure that the desires of your heart are God's desires, right? And then you're going to be the happiest person that ever lived because it's like here, right? Yeah, but isn't it fascinating? It's both a command, delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Like you could take it that way, but that doesn't seem like the spirit of it, doesn't it? It's like, no, delight yourself in the law of the Lord. And then Psalm 51, as you brought up, it's, you see it in like Catholic liturgy, you see it in any old school liturgical um, thing. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and with a willing spirit sustain me. It's like, it's a powerful prayer, isn't it? But you're going, Lord, just... Make me want you. I'm sorry, because I've fallen. By the way, David prayed that in Psalm 51 after that whole like Bathsheba incident. You know, that's, that's breaking some commands. Would you agree? What happened in that whole story? And he's broken over it. He's absolutely broken, and he comes before God. And have you ever had that experience? It's like, yeah, I know I broke something, but it's like striking at my core, and it's shaking my very being. And I know I violated something deep within myself and deep within the fiber of the universe against you, O oh Lord. Oh, Lord, change me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Zach, yeah. He definitely rails against uh, monks and nuns. Yeah, <laughs> monks and nuns are always getting the one-two punch from Luther, aren't they? It's just... Yeah. At least I do of, of the religious life, like no, you know. But um, that, that that was interesting. But I but I did really appreciate, um, you know. He says, uh, you know, that some of the stuff that they do and other kind of grand displays of of love and, and faithfulness, you know, are highly regarded. But then he says, you know, for the poor girl to tend a little child and do faithfully what she is told, that is regarded as nothing. On page sixty-three, he's really just yeah. kind of getting at. The simple, I think, um, contrasting the simple but unrecognized by the world ways of obeying God's law and being faithful. And so it's just really interesting. And then, you know, he, the next sentence, you know, isn't it devilish gall on the part of those desperate saints to presume to find a higher and better way of life? It's just, just harsh, you know, but it's, yeah. I don't know, it's just, um, he's setting up a contrast there, I think, and saying, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay to walk a simple path and just do, you know, um, do what is right and faithful to God, even if it's not 
what's seen as, um, you know, what's recognized or praised by the world, or even by the religious world, frankly. Yeah, did you guys see that on page 63? I don't know if you heard his reference where he's talking about the simple child, you know, who, who just leads the simple life and o- obeys her mom and, and does these kinds of things is more to be praised as, as a command keeper than all the monks and nuns who gather. And, and I think it's a good wake-up call because, of course, you know, Luther coming out of the monastic tradition and out of a time period where the ultimate levels of holiness were viewed as those who went into the religious orders, we all have our own super-Christian model. Every single tradition inadvertently sets up what a super-Christian is supposed to look like. And it is kind of worth evaluating because a lot of times there's good things there in intent, just like there is in the monastic system. But oftentimes, the simple commands of God get put to secondary status over, I hate to say the flash and show, but the religiosity of what that model looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, Mike, we'll swing back. Yeah. And this conclusion is by his own admission, he says, Yeah, I, I know we're gonna if we're trying to really keep this commandment, I know we're gonna always have our hands full doing it. And we and we know that there are ways that God expects us to live. But in that same page on sixty three, it's like the actions of a young girl trying to take care of a child carries tremendous worth and weight. So it's kind of that paradoxical tension. Yeah. Yes, you're supposed to do this, but at the same time God doesn't lose sight, and we shouldn't lose sight of sometimes the simple ways that we can incorporate things, the simple changes, and the simple things we can do for God. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. a really interesting paradox, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but right, right. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, love God, do good. Love God, love your neighbor is how Jesus would put it, right? Although, I'll challenge you on the easy part. Sometimes it's easy, but sometimes, dude, it's... <laughs> yeah, not complicated, but could be very difficult. Yeah, thanks. Dan? Yeah, what does it look like for the ordinary person? We're sitting here today to live the Christian life. I am at 9.43, so I do have to land the plane here. I'm sorry on other questions. But what does it look like for you to just go, I'm going to put God first in my life. I'm not going to bear the name Christian vainly. I am going to honor the spirit of the Sabbath day in delighting in God 
over myself and mirroring my life off God, as we've talked about. I am going to honor authority. I am going to protect people's lives and physical well-being. I am going to honor myself and other people sexually. I am going to honor people's property. I am not going to bear false witness, right? And I'm not going to covet. I mean, just that's meditative work for a lifetime. I'm going to leave it with one thought and then where we're going, and i got to land this plane quick. He mentions a verse where he says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the sins of the Father to the third and fourth generation, but blessing those who keep these commands to the thousandth generation. Sometimes people get hung up on that, but I think it's worth pointing out because God is a God who judges and God is a God who loves. Based on that verse alone, what I just said, give me the ratio of judgment to love. Yeah, three to a thousand, right? Three and four generations to a thousand generations. Keep that in mind when you think about the disposition of God, if you will. So next week, we're moving off the Ten Commandments. And uh, the spirit of this class this year is we're going into ancient Christian documents. And by, I shouldn't say ancient, but the history of just Christian documents, this is from 500 years ago. Next week, I'm going to take you into something far older that I think you're going to find pretty cool. That's the teaser. I got to land the plane. God bless. See you later.